Where'd you get this? Kind of a grab bag. I love it. One hell of a fox, baby. Jobo, let's have some burgers for the ladies. Hey, Adam. Hey, Dom. Could you maybe pay for on this time? Well, you know, the prices are going up and I can't get a loan at the bank. You what? Uh, it's okay. Don't uh, leave him alone. <laughs> the devs are paying. Lace, if the devs are paying, you think I could have a double cheeseburger with some french fries and a coleslaw? What? I'm really hungry. Oh, she's hungry. Look out! Guys, I caught a piggy! What'd I do, Lace? Uh, squeal! Wait. Now you get nothing, you understand? You're gonna sit there and watch the rest of us eat until we're finished. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Hello and welcome back is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 301. And I am your host, Lee. Everybody's got to be in a gang, Russell. Joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, the lovely Lee. I lost my eye for this gang, Hardy. How are you, ma'am? I have not lost an eye yet for this podcast. I don't know if I should still be here then. <laughs> the, I mean, next time I see you in person, the initiation will commence and... Then we'll take your eye, but you know, buy her a Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that voice you heard—you haven't heard him for six years on this podcast. Last time he was on this, he was on Zodiac on episode ninety-eight. That's how. What? Yeah, that's how long ago it was. Not even the hundreds yet. How did we hit yeah. the triple digits? No, uh, as Mike, if you go, it's going to turn out bad. Murphy, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me, you two. It's great to be here. Well, I, f- I feel and, like you invited and I, yourself. I, I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I want to say congratulations on 300. I know you got like upwards of 350 or 360 in your feed, mm-hmm. but uh, but hitting 300 because I've done that before is a momentous occasion in my opinion because that puts you at well about 10 years at this now, Lee. Maybe yeah, more. Almost 10 years. 10 years yeah. next month. Well, that's. That's uh, top of the mountain, man. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, mean I, I, I told Lee this off off air, but, you know, your podcast, Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts, was an influence on this one. So, you know, <laughs> coming from you, that that's very uh, humbling, and uh, I appreciate it. Well, you're much. welcome. Yeah. Um, and I was just here for the ride. I mean, you <laughs> tagged have, along at the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I love your cat, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> she is she is really going for attention. She tonight. is tonight. She Take is, advantage of that camera. She's she's sitting on my, my mouse right now. She's rubbing against like I don't even know. She doesn't usually do this. She usually like comes, walks by the, the keyboard once maybe and then she's maybe like it's okay. that time of the month. Might be. Well she's fixed, so no. <laughs> oh well. Sometimes they still don't lose, you know, a little bit. They they still have a little bit of that, you know. Do they? So, sometimes. This has never happened before. Maybe uh, she's, well, horny. she's horny for your mouse. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, you pain today. If I get distracted, yeah, you know why? Yeah. Well, we'll 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 play it by ear. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to be doing a Switchblade Sisters tonight, and uh, a, a movie Mike is very familiar with. I mean, there's no uh, coincidence for the quote I picked for his name because <laughs> that used to be in the intro to Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts. So uh, yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, I thought you were going to give me the nickname "I am his son," meaning the son of the Zodiac. But I, I like the one you've given me. Yeah, I always tried to theme it around the movie that sure. we're doing, so sure. you know. So we got a couple comments we got to get through here really quick. Um, so uh, Von Kuhlmeyer from a Motion Picture Massacre just piped in really quick to say, wow, what a great film. I'm amazed you haven't covered it before. I mean, you know, 300, 301 films we've gone through. Uh, Shane was my pick. <laughs> yeah, it, it was Lee's pick. Yeah. I mean, we probably would have eventually gotten to it. It's just like... It's it's one of those films that like every podcast is kind of done, so we kind of like, I feel like we kind of distance ourselves from those for a while until like no one's talking about them for like five years or something like that, and then we kind of pounce on them because, you know, you're cool like that. Not cool. It's just like, do you need eighteen podcasts this month talking about Switchblade Sisters? Probably yes. not. No, she says yes. Of course, you do. <laughs> any Jack Hill movie will do. This is this is a good example, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have another comment, and this is in relation to our senior trip episode. And this is from the person who requested us doing National Lampoon Senior Trip in the first place, uh, Chronovore. He says, "I know Senior Trip is dumb." Uh, but that was a lot of haterade, uh, a lot more haterade than I expected. Sure, it was a product of its time. There is racism, but it's also fairly inclusive. Also saw it in 1995, so it was another time. Uh, there's a real plot with the dirty Republican and Bounty Burger. There are fun quirks, expressions, and delightful comedic touches like the drummer for High on Life twirling his stick. The quick shot of Harold's reaction when the bus is going to crash, or how the old teacher croaks off and Virus types it. The latter dovetails wonderfully with the elderly assistant, Miss Winston. Matt Fuhrer is amazing and is obviously having. Whoa. <laughs> what happened there? Dropped. Angel just dropped the chair, like with the chair oh, full. Okay. Made a chair full back. All right. Uh, Matt Frewer is amazing here and is obviously having fun with his role. The cast is overall excellent. Upon rewatching it, this movie has a surprising amount of heart for what it is. It's no ghost beaver kick or anything, but I like it. <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I hope you didn't take our review of it, you know, personal with us, like, not liking the movie as much as you did. I feel like for you, Chronovore, that movie is like a one, one of those movies, and everyone has these movies, where you watch them at a certain time in your life and they always stick with you and you always love them no matter what kind of thing. And I totally get that, because I've got several of those movies that I, I will 
you know, die defending, even though I I know deep down maybe they're not as great as they should be, but I love them for everything that they encompass. And I feel like that's probably what Senior Trip is for you, and I mean, if, if that's the case, that's cool. It's not like we said it was the worst sex comedy from that year or whatever, you know? Like, it, it it's just kind of didn't do it for us, you know, kind of thing. And I think we all agreed that, like, Matt Frewer was really great in it. The cast was good. It's just that the material didn't really connect for us as much as it did for you, obviously. So, I don't know. Have you, have you, have you ever seen that, Mike? Have you, have you seen uh, National Lampoon's senior trip? I've seen a ton of National Lampoon movies. I've never even heard of this one. Is it Chevy Chase at 80 and no. Dan Aykroyd at 80 doing a senior trip? No, this was uh, this was after uh, National Lampoon got sold. The rights to their name got sold, basically, and mm. then they were just like, and, "Hey, movie company making a, a sex comedy or something? Do you want National Lampoon on your title? We'll sell the rights to that name, and then maybe you'll get more." Uh, but can you use theaters? Can, can you title a movie called Senior Trip and have it be a sex comedy with seniors in it? Well, no. <laughs> was it seniors as in high schoolers? Yeah, high, high schoolers. schoolers. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. right. actually, actually, there's another now, one. Now I might want to watch it. Yeah. So now actually there's other one. There's another one from the 70, late 70s, early 80s called Senior Trip as well, which is also hmm. a sex comedy. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah no, you know, uh, we still appreciate the request for the movie. And I mean, we, we, had, yeah, a good we had a good episode and a good discussion. So, you know, don't. Don't feel like we were like hating on it too much. I, I hope you you don't think we were because we we enjoyed doing the episode on it and well we yeah did, yeah we we didn't. It's like also it. it's also one of those things like absolutely if someone's gonna like a movie like a movie like we're here to have fun and just comment on what we thought like we're not professionals at it so we're just having fun with it. Yeah, it's we're not, just uh, we're just we're just movie nerds talking about a movie like you would do as well with your friends. So I mean, at, at the end of the day. Our opinion holds no more weight than yours does on, on a on a movie. So uh, keep that in mind, you know. Like, oh yeah, I guarantee you there's something gonna watch that no one else is gonna like. <laughs> yeah, it was at the very least it wasn't a personal slight, and I hope you make more requests in the future and and interact with us uh, because we appreciate it. So uh, cheers. Yeah, absolutely. It was a fun. It was a fun podcast to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we can move on to what we've watched in the last little while. I know Lady Lee has nothing because she has been basically studying and uh, learning to be a teacher. So uh, her her time, she, she almost didn't make it tonight. Like so, uh, I have been watching random because we don't have our TVs working at work, so we have um, whatever streaming services. So I've mm -hmm. been watching bits and pieces of movies that have been popping up on the TVs. Okay. That, is, that is it. Right now, it's everything else on Disney Plus. I've seen. How dare your work Plus. not have functioning TVs for you to watch while you work? <laughs> I get to watch movies. It's even better. Usually, it's like repetition of sports highlights on a continuous loop all day because that's all people ever want to watch is sports. I'm not saying I don't like sports. I just get really tired of seeing the same fucking channel over and over again, seeing the same freaking highlights. It's yeah. Very boring. Very quick. Uh, but, uh, Mike, I know you have a couple things to mention, so I'll throw it over to you. Oh, thanks, Lee. So working, you guys have the same name, uh, but you don't spell it the same. Yeah, you, just, you, just, you just call her Lady Lee. That, that'll Lady solve Lee. all the problems. L -L. Working my way back. 
Uh, yesterday I watched Space Wars Quest for the Deep Star. Not good. I told Iris because we're going to do it on an upcoming. Actually, we're going to record the podcast episode next week. I told her that it's just a disaster. It's a super low budget space adventure in which the the planets they land on look exactly like the Los Angeles forest because <laughs> it was filmed in L.A. Oh, and then obviously uh, Switchblade Sisters the night before that mm-hmm. uh, and then Nope from 2022 the Jordan Peele movie yep. uh, which is just a tremendous movie I love uh, it. And, and then Renfield from 2023 those are my last four and then tomorrow I'm going to watch I don't know something else <laughs> I forget what it is <laughs> yeah right on um the one thing I'll mention, uh, and so as usual, if people listen to the podcast, I do the the sort of movie nights with with uh, our mutual, me and Lee's mutual friends, and uh, we had a double feature. I'll just mention the one movie though, because uh, we've already covered um, uh, Warriors of the Wasteland or the New Barbarians on this podcast years ago. Uh, one we watched last night, Hands of Steel from 1986. That's such a great movie. Mm. Sergio Martino directing yep. this one. Um, it's got John Saxon and George Eastman in it, just like yep. kind of supporting roles, being cool. Uh, and and Eastman is so daunting. He's so tall and thin and handsome and muscular and mm-hmm. everything a good-looking man should be, I guess. Yeah, no, he he was he was this good-looking Italian giant. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I've shown Lee a movie with him in it, if I recall correctly, because Lee's like very um, amazed by all these Italian movies. I've shown her that just the the eyes they pick, like people with like these stunning eyes, you know, that are. Oh my like, god! Every time, every yeah. freaking time. Yeah, those Italians, man, they knew how to like focus right in on the eyes super especially Fulci like that was the mm-hmm. thing man he just just pan into those eyes and just hold it for the longest time yeah pan in on those eyes and then stab those eyes with broken splinters yeah. and shit. There, you, yeah. there you go yep yeah. uh but uh so the the main star of this is daniel green and he's he kind of like this this whole movie's a mashup of 80s movies so he kind of looks like arnold schwarzenegger and michael bean at the same time from the original terminator yeah. And and he's a cyborg and like he's he's programmed by a shady organization to like assassinate this political leader or whatever in this like dystopian America or whatever. And he fails in his assassination and he starts to like regain his personality and he goes on the run. And then there's all these production value fucking footage of Arizona and the monuments <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> it's just having a mechanical arm, at least on the poster he does. Yeah. So like there is actually the shot like the, the same sort of same shot you see in um Terminator where he has to repair his arm so it's like he opens his arm up and he's got got all the stuff moving in the arm as he moves his fingers and he repairs it and shit and it's a it was a fun fucking movie. Um he, he's a fun actor. He was great as uh, Elvira's love interest in Mr. Mm-hmm. for the Dark. Uh, he's been in all kinds of uh uh, fairly yeah, good he's movies, had, actually. He's had, and he's had to like a steady career, you know. Like he's, yeah. he's been working even up until now. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, and like it goes into crazy pants, fucking shit. Um, 
Although there is like a sad trivia where like one of the henchmen of John Saxon like died in a helicopter stunt, and like you can totally tell in the movie where he gets written out and they still have to use him. So the obvious stunt double like gets killed like a just kind of <laughs> like a bitch. Stunt <laughs> double with a bad wig on. Hey, Lady Lee, had you been at all uh, interested and or familiar with? Italian films before joining Lee in this podcast adventure? I think it's kind of funny because my mom is Italian. Like, my mom's from Italy. You'd think I would have some sort of background knowledge on any sort of Italian movies, like anything. I have zero. Like, I had absolutely none. Everything that I know is from Lee. Like, I didn't even so, know what a spaghetti oh, is, western was. Like, he's, what? Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even know that was a thing. I got introduced to that. I, I don't even know. I've been living under a rock. <laughs> Well, he's educating you on the, the, the better cinema from the 70s and 80s. Well, yeah, it's it's fun. Like, I've been enjoying the adventure of movies that you've been watching. And I, I mentioned it before the um, the back and forth of choosing movies, like random movies, like, mm -hmm. really took us off on a random detour. Mm -hmm. Like, it was the, the kind of a weirdest thing where we ended up on a very strange but awesome direction of movies that we probably never would have thought of, especially me. So although it's definitely it, been fun being on the podcast, like discovering those movies. Although it really has taken us through Italy a lot more. Remember, we had that string of like, oh, here's another yeah. Italian movie. Here's another one. Here's another yeah, one. Yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, this one looks interesting. Let's do this one. Most importantly, you know what Spaghetti Western is now. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I've got I've got to show her more at this point because I've only I've, I may be showing you like one, what, one or two. I think we we've only done one on the podcast, right? It was it was a fake Django movie so uh, <laughs> Django yeah. Off, huh? yeah wait wait um, Django wait, the Italians ripped off their own movies that doesn't make sense <laughs> actually actually it does I mean are, are you you're familiar with the um, the Bud Spencer Terrence Hill films right yeah mm -hmm. yeah there, there's the uh, there's the uh, Paul Smith um, Mario Cantafore ripoffs of those movies. Right. They're like lookalikes of Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer, and they did like yeah. four or five comedies together. So <laughs> we yeah. actually have Django slated uh, within the next couple of weeks. Iris wants to talk about it. So, which is one of the pinnacle of all the spaghetti western films, mm -hmm. especially at the end with that coffin scene, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 I have both cats after me tonight. Yeah. You got, a, you got a black one in there. I think she's, it's kind of a, she's striped. She's dark color, but she's like dark brown and light brown striped. She has a black heart, though, so that's all. This she's yeah. Got a black heart. yeah, that's Sid. Her her name her full name is Sid Vicious, and then Ryan thought that she was well because he thought she was male, and then found out she was female, so he just called her Sid. I'm like, screw it, just call her Sid Vicious anyway. Yeah. So I call her little Sid Vicious. She's my little Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious wanted to be a woman at one time, you know. I really? did not know that. No, I'm bullshitting. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were bringing some knowledge to this. No. Thing. What, what's going uh, on? You'll, you'll get absolutely no knowledge from me during this episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to take a really quick break. And um, I, 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 I want to, you know, educate the listener. So some podcasts are at a certain level, right? Like they're, they're, they're all right. Some are more in a mid-level. They're, you know, pretty good, pretty informative. This podcast, this one. That's a whole novel level. <laughs> That's just what this is going to be. 
and welcome to our all-new adventure, Movies in 30 Minutes. I'm Mike, one of two hosts on the podcast, and she's Iris, who will not be heard during this introductory episode. Movies in 30 Minutes will feature our opinions on a variety of different films and film genres. We'll cover new releases and get into our Wayback Machine to talk about older movies as well. We may talk about, I don't know, Jordan Peele's film Nope from 2022 one week and then dive into the toilet to chat about Doris Wishman's Diary of a Nudist from 1961. Point being, nothing is off limits with Movies in 30 Minutes. Now, if you're wondering about the title of the podcast, Movies in 30 Minutes, that's easy. Iris and I have a history in the podcasting space, and we can go long if given that opportunity. Knowing this, we decided to limit every episode to no more than 30 minutes, hence the title of the podcast, Movies in 30 Minutes. So you're going to get a lot of information in a short period of time, and we hope it will be enough for you to decide to hit play or just to pass. Now, if by chance we invite a guest to come on the show, and we will, you'll likely get the occasional 60-minute edition of the program. Movies in 30 Minutes will air its first episode on November 19th, 2023. We'll then start to deliver new episodes every Sunday thereafter, giving you fresh content to begin your week with. You can find, subscribe, and or follow Movies in 30 Minutes by using your favorite podcast app, apps such as Apple Podcast or the podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music slash Audible, Podcast Attic, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and all others available. Like I said, your favorite podcast app. You can also Google Movies in 30 Minutes to find the website. Iris and I are excited to start this journey and are even more excited to have you start with us. So a big thanks in advance to you, and we'll talk to you all on November 19th, 
Switchblade Sisters from 1975. We have a trailer, and it's it's long, but it's probably one of the best trailers ever cut. So we're gonna play it. Meet the toughest gang of teenage girls ever to slash their way across a motion picture screen. didn't want them. Their teachers were scared of them. Even the cops couldn't tame them. Switchblade sisters. Are the young rebels fighting for survival in a decaying society? Or are they just teenage hoodlums taking advantage of their youth? They can't hold us. We're juveniles. <laughs> First, you'll meet Lace. She's as affectionate as a scorpion with all the loving tenderness of a buzzsaw. Okay, you want me out? You're gonna have to fight me. You got knocked off, right? Big deal! If you go, it's gonna turn out bad. She'd rather kill her man than lose him. Then there's Maggie, Lace's best friend, a shapely young bundle of female dynamite, and Lace's man lit the fuse. You're a chicken. Say it! You'll also meet the girl who used her young body to earn the nickname of Bunny. How about a little something to uh, relax the nerve? And it's only five bucks. Come on, Superman. And 
then there's the one they just call Patch. I lost my eye for this gang, remember? We used to be tough. They also call her the Smiling Cobra. Shameless. Impudent woman! And from now on, that's gonna be us! The Switchblade Sisters. You'll laugh with them. You'll love with them. Maggie? What's going on in there? Maggie? You got a boy in there? But don't try to fight with them. Go away! Remember, I want him alive. Two teenage wildcats, both hung up on the same guy. One of them had to go the hard way. Meet the teenage girl gang even the cops were scared of. Switchblade Sisters is a story of today and maybe a little bit of tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Did you think that was Paul Freese narrating that? No, it's... um. It's Ron Gans, right? Um, who is like the AIP trailer guy for? Okay, sounds a lot, awful lot like Paul Freese. Yeah, no, it's it's. Um, so his, his name was Ron Gans, and he was he was a pro prolific voice actor because he did like I think all of his movie credits. If you pretty much look into them, like going back to like the nineteen fifties, they were all like narration. So, okay. Yeah, I was about to. I was actually. I'm glad you mentioned. I was about to say it's like, uh, I miss that guy's voice in trailers. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, he's so good. But yeah, Switchblade Sisters, uh, also known as the Jezebels, Maggie's Stiletto Sisters, Playgirl Gang, hmm. and eventual release in Spain. It was known as the Warriors too. So it was probably like the <laughs> '80s when it came out in Spain. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Uh, directed by Jack Hill. Um, we've covered a couple of his movies on this podcast, but uh, prolific exploitation director, did The Terror, Spider Baby, Big Dollhouse, Big Birdcage, Coffee and Foxy Brown, which we have covered. Yeah, Pit swinging... Stop and The Sorceress and a mm -hmm. um, whole bunch swinging... of like Swinging Cheerleaders. Yep. Just a whole bunch of really cheesy, fun exploitation films. And I mean, he's the guy who discovered Pam Greer, basically. And, yeah, and yeah, agreed. Made, yeah, and made her a name. Writers here, FX uh, Mayor, Jack Hill, and John Prizer. As far as I know, I think John Prizer is, was a kind of a producer, so he just got a writing credit because he's a producer on the film. As, yeah, I think uh, Jack Hill probably wrote this. Yeah. And the other two probably did minor rewrites. That would be my guess. Yeah, I, I think it, it this in the, in this case it was even just like, oh, I, I paid some money into this movie, so I get a fucking writing credit. Yeah, and, and I think when this comes out, this is towards the end of his, or at least towards the end of this exploitation era. And I know, it, mm -hmm. I think this may have been his second, uh, I, I could be wrong, second to last film, but I think I'm wrong there. But it's, it's it, this, this exploitation sort of series or time in the 70s is coming to an end, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he filmed this um, outside of AIP or New World. So, like, like you know, he did all this, pretty much all of his previous stuff for Corman or uh, Samuel Arkoff, right? This one he did under his own production company, which was, like, um, 
Centaur Productions or some shit like that. Like, yeah, I, I forgot. Hill he, he was uh, an apprentice of, of of Corman at one time, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And I also think he, he went to the University of California, the film school with Coppola, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. And I know uh, I wondered if he cut this trailer because I know that he did. He did a he lot wrote, of that. Uh, actually, no, he didn't cut the trailer. He wrote it, and someone else okay. cut it for him. Because I was I was listening to him talk a uh, trailers from hell that series. Mm-hmm. He was talking about it. He's like, I didn't I didn't edit this, but I did write it. And uh, yeah, so and, that's and, interesting that he wrote the trailer. Did the trailer come before the movie shot? I wonder. I think it. You know, it might have because it might have been from an, a, an earlier version of the script. Because, like, they say stuff in the trailer that's not talked about in the movie. Like, yeah. they call her the one-eyed cobra or whatever. It's like, no, they yeah, don't. Which, which they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, our cast here: Robbie Lee as Lace, and uh, she was in some other Corman stuff, uh, Big Bad Mama, Linda Lovelace for President, which was the like. Hey, Linda Lovelace made it big in porn. Let's do a like sexploitation cash in on that, and uh, they did. Uh, my therapist, and then she went on for to have a pretty prolific like voice work for cartoons yeah. career kind of thing. Yeah, I mean she's got that cartoony voice. Mm-hmm. And I can see and her he, being very popular or very successful in doing that. Yeah, and the funniest thing is like the before I ever saw this movie back when I was like much younger. I'd always see this movie around, see pictures of it. I thought it was Linda Blair at first. Hmm. Like, before I knew who the cast was and everything, I was, oh, Linda Blair and Switchblade Sisters. That Yeah, okay. We have Joanne Nail as Maggie. Uh, she was in the Gumball Rally. Uh, we've covered a movie she was in before, The Visitor. And she was in hmm. Full Moon High, which is a werewolf comedy of some sort. I've, I've never watched it, but I know it, it, it predates um, Teen Wolf. Uh, we got Monica Gale as Patch. She was in The Stewardesses, Up Your Alley, Nashville Girl, all kinds of exploitation credits for her. We got Asher Bronner as Dominic. Um, he was in the uh, Sniper movie, Two Minute Warning. And the only other one that kind of like stood out to me is Treasure of the Moon Goddess, which is a latter-day 1980s uh, Linnea Quigley movie. It's also the greatest movie title ever. Yeah, I, I like the title. It's definitely good. Uh <laughs> We got Chase Newhart as Krabs. Um, he only had like a couple acting credits. Most of his work is it shows. Yeah, <laughs> uh, most of his work was uh, second unit or assistant director uh, stuff. And he actually got his start as like an assistant director in training on the Deer Hunter of all places. Like hmm, so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got Marlene Clark as Muff. Uh, we have covered her before. Um, she actually had a really good career. Uh, she started out in Midnight Cowboy, uh, Putney Swope. Uh, she was in the sequel to The Blob, Beware the Blob, which is kind of like a. Uh, it's I, I the better of the. It's the better of the Blob movies. Yeah, I mean the original Blob is highly overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, and yeah. the and the remake's highly underrated. Yes, uh, totally agree. Uh, she was in Slaughter, which is a great black exploitation film. With Jim uh, Brown. Be- yeah, the beast must die. Black Mamba. She had small part in Enter the Dragon, and of course she is Ganja and Ganja has Ganja has yeah yeah yeah, uh, which is a great uh, vampire movie that we've covered. Um, Kitty Bruce is Donut. She really didn't have any other credits that really stood out. Uh, we got Janice Carmen as Bunny. 
A lot of great credits for her as well. Freebie and the Bean. Wham Bam, thank you, Spaceman. <laughs> Slumber Party 57. And her big claim to fame these days is she wrote, produced, and voice acted in pretty much every iteration of Elvin and the Chipmunks from the early 80s to now. Made a career she's, out of it. Yeah, she's still doing it. We got Don Stark as Hook. I'm not going to dig into his credits. He's got 147 of them. He's the, probably the most prolific guy on, on this cast. Uh, but everyone knows him as Bob Pizzicotti yep. on that 70s yep. show. Yeah. Yep. And he's, he's back doing that, that 90s 90. show? Is it the 90s yeah. show? Yeah. Yep. Uh, we got Kate Murtaugh as Mum Smackley. Uh, and... <laughs> And and I and I just had I had to mention just for nostalgia's sake because uh, we've done a couple of his movies before. Bill Adler as Fingers. He was a big time Crown International uh, guy around this period. Yeah, uh, doing all yeah, doing all their sex comedies and stuff. Uh, the Pom Pom Girls, The Van, Malibu Beach, Van Nuys Boulevard, and uh, he was in the Larry Cohen uh, horror film Blue Sunshine. Uh, I'd like to see a. I'd like to say I've never heard and seen any of those, but I've unfortunately have seen them all. <laughs> the van uh, uh, is a favorite, of course. Yeah, I, I like I like the van a lot. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Bill, Bill Adler went on to fame in in the clothing industry. Yes, believe it or not, I think he made but, belts. Yes, there was an actor. I don't know how I know that. Uh, there was an actor strike in 1981, and he was out of work. And so he was selling belts on the street or whatever while <laughs> while he was looking for work, and he got into the leather business, like leather yeah. accessories and clothing and stuff like that. And, he's and it worked doing, for him. Yeah, he's been doing that ever since. We have a synopsis here from someone called Matthew Otto on IMDb. The Dagger Debs are a gang of snarling girls, and Maggie is their newest member. Lace, the ever teeth grinding leader, befriends her but soon has doubts. It seems Lace's man, Dominic, head of the Silver Daggers, fancies the new recruit. Lace struggles to keep control of the Debs and handle on and handle on Nick as they face off against a rival gang of pushers led by Crabs. Sure, that's not a terrible synopsis. Um, not that bad. Yeah, it doesn't give too much away, but you know. No. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, Mike, I know you're super familiar with this film, but uh, you want to sort of like give when you first saw it and what, what your sort of general impressions are. Uh, just just go ahead. Sure. So I don't really remember when I first saw it. I've seen it numerous times. Uh, if I were to take a guess, I probably saw it in the early 80s VHS days. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to the store and renting movies every single day. Um so that would be my guess on when I, I saw it first. Since then, I've probably seen this movie far too much. <laughs> maybe maybe eight to ten times, I'm going to guess. And that's, I mean, considering the movie, it's, let's be honest, it's not a great movie. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's one of the, the, it's got a very catchy title first off. Which yeah. place, who doesn't want to watch that? Regardless of the movie's content. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most of Jack Hill's movies weren't really very good, but he, he, he hit this stride in the seventies and ended up doing switchblade sisters with the sort of same, um, type of low budget production and feel that all his other movies did mm -hmm. in the early seventies with Pam Greer and, um, you know, pit stop spider baby and all those. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say probably early 80s, and I've seen it you know, six, eight, ten times since. Uh, it's a, I'm going to say it's a guilty pleasure film. I know people give me a hard time when I use that term, but mm-hmm. it, it really is just a guilty pleasure film. When I want to sit down and watch something and not really think about what I'm watching, this is a, a, a great film to choose. And I, coincidentally, you know, I, I see something or I catch something new every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. And or I forget about like Lace putting the hit out on Maggie, like mm-hmm. when I watched it a couple nights ago for this. I completely forgot about that. So Kim is a nice surprise again. <laughs> cool. Like watching uh, the movie all over again. Brand new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, I hadn't seen it probably for 10 years since. Really? Since so I since BBNBC. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Um. Lady Lee, I know this is your first time watch for this one, and you were giving me some troubling remarks early on. So, like, let, let, I, I definitely want to hear what your your sort of final opinion on this one was. So, uh, please get into it. I had I had a hard time with this movie I, when I first started watching it. I had a really hard time with it. They had like the first scene with Maggie um, getting raped by um, Dominic. Mm-hmm. It's tough and, to watch. Yeah, and uh, afterwards how she's like, I hate you. And then she's like, cries in his arms. I'm like, wow, wow, I hate this. I hate this. I honestly hate this. Like, that just set me off and set me on such a bad tone for the rest of the movie. Like, I, I, I don't know. I understand it was supposed to be some sort of creative direction of something to make her seem like maybe she liked it, but I fucking hate that shit so bad. Do you, do you think it so maybe bad. it was a gang initiation because he was, you know, the leader of the, the gang there? But she was only in the gang later on. Oh, okay. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, because they're like, well, you now you have to get initiated to be in the gang. And I don't think it was. I think he just wanted her because she was like badass. Because you saw her at the beginning, she was badass. She Uh kicks the girls' asses. Which another thing pissed me off was that she's such a tough girl. And then when Dominic comes into the room, like she can't fight anymore. Like all of her fighting skills just magically disappear. Like this girl who can take care of herself just can't take care of herself anymore. Um, And then also the. Uh, the need, assessment need for men in this thing. I know it switched halfway through, but that beginning part was very much like man-based. I think obviously that was very intentional. It was very much intended to make seem like they relied on the men. When Maggie t- came in, she like turned it around. She's like, no, no, we females are tougher than the men. And I could appreciate that. I just was really set on the wrong tone very early on because of that scene. Like it just... And when she goes in and he's like, oh, I want to hang out with you. And there's that whole jealousy thing. I hate that. I hate that so much because that's like something that was like trained in our brains as younger, like as children, even. You're, oh, no, no one can ever talk to the man that we're interested in. And they can't do anything. They have to be like only ours and ever ours. And they have to just look at us longingly all the time. Like it was just oh so early on, like we were meant to, to hate other women. And it just this I could see it in this movie like that that thing that I grew up with. So I, I don't know. I think it's more just, per- yeah, it's all more just personal. Like it's nothing against the movie itself. It's just more personal experiences and seeing how it's portrayed there. Like it just set me off. Like, I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. I found that scene tough to watch, even though I'd seen it numerous times before and never really given, given it any thought, but we're living in a time now where women are very strong first off. And women, I don't think women would put themselves in these sort of situations here in 2023, I could be completely wrong. 
I don't know if there are a lot of girl gangs running around anymore, but I, I also think that as a wannabe or a potential or a future gang member, you you said it, Lady Lee, she put up a great fight at the hot dog stand, right? Mm-hmm. Why why does she not fight this guy new, uh, tooth and nail to fend his rape off? I think that's the one false note in the whole film, right? Like that That kind of betrays her character a little bit. But, it's not even but. like it's not even that okay so it bugs because i understand every situation is different with every woman and i don't want to get to detail with this kind of stuff but the real reality is in a, a shocking moment a thing like this um every person reacts differently and some people who do know how to fight might feel like frozen and panicked or whatever the case may be so i get that but they show her resisting and fighting but she can't fight this guy off. She's too weak. Like, go fuck yourself. Honestly, go fuck. Like, no, <laughs> that was just maddening. I hated. It. I think like, you saw you saw her fight, and it was like she had. She could take fight. care of herself, but she just decided not to in this situation. It wasn't. She decided not to. She did. She was trying to fight him off. They just mm. made the movie took the direction of making him overpower her. Sure. And as she was trying to fight off this girl who's really tough, who's showing up a fight right now, couldn't fight him off. But she could fight off like five gang members. Like fuck did, off. Fuck you. <laughs> did this scene did his death later in the movie, and we could spoil this movie, it's like fifty years mm-hmm. old. Did his death later in the movie was it a relief for you because of the situation she was in and that uh, they, they were both in together? No, oh, I couldn't stand him. Like I yeah. honestly couldn't stand him. You were, like, you were happy to see him go. Oh, he was. Oh, a piece of yeah. Shit. Despite, yeah, yeah. Like if you were to cut that rape scene out, would it change the movie? I don't think no. it would. No, he's still a piece of shit, regardless. Yeah. I. It would have. I would have had less hatred, but I still hate him. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of like an evil John Travolta in this movie. Kinda, <laughs> right? And I, I like to think that Maggie just goes with the motions afterwards because he keeps trying to pick her up and she doesn't have show any interest. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I just see it as her just being like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to take over your gang. So that's my hope that they, that that was the, I, the I think, I think that's part of it too. Cause you know, she's shown to be tough. Like we don't really know anything about Maggie other than that. Her mother's a drunk and that she like, pays the rent quote unquote with the uh the the you know the apartment manager or whatever building manager <coughs> and you know that you have that whole scene where like he can hear she can hear her mother uh fucking that dude in the other room and then he bursts into the into the apartment and like rapes her and it's 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 more it's more played for just like this is an exploitation movie we have to have some tra- transgressive sure. shit in it yeah. And, like, I think that kind of... I'm with Lady Lee on this, where I think it lets down the character of Maggie because she's way tougher than that. So it's a bit of a betrayal to her just by the script more than anything else. It's how they did it, too. mm -hmm. Because the thing is, you could do something where someone is tough and they get caught in whatever situation. Mm -hmm. They could have put her where it could have been she doesn't fight back and she's just the shock moment, the actual, like... Um, you know, the fire flight thing, and she could freeze. It could be something that, like, represented her past, but you don't talk about it. It would have been more believable. It could have been, like, he caught her off guard and, like, knocked her out or just something like that, or whatever the case be, or, like, fight her My- and she fight back, and he actually, like... Something, something more than just how see, they did it. See, my, they- only, my only... And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but my only thought on it is 
does she let it happen to her because she no. know no here's the thing here's, <laughs> no, no, here's, here's the thing does she let it happen to the degree that it happens because there's the scene with her mother coming out and then calling the apartment manager out like get this guy out of my fucking apartment and the guy looks at him and goes don't you know who that fucking is like it, it, he'll he'll destroy this building if I fuck with him. Is it more Maggie protecting her mother to a certain degree, where it's if I you know fight back right now, if you know I I should I should pick and choose my fights because if I fight back right now against this guy, it's going to be bad for my mother and our whole living situation. Is that I, I know the movie doesn't do a, do a great job of illuminating that, but I was kind of thinking about that in the back of my head while I was watching like. She doesn't want to be kicked out of the apartment, and she doesn't want to like have her alcoholic mother kicked out of this apartment by this guy and this gang. Like, if she gets on the bad side of this gang early on, she's already kind of like done, kind of thing. I don't think mm -hmm. that, because uh, she was telling him no and stop it outside in the living room or outside in the living area. So yeah, she. But that, but that was before. He, the uh, the guy who was banging your mother came in and was like, "Don't you know who that fucking is?" Like that that kind of changes the situation a little bit. But that was okay. after, and everything was done. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it w okay. All right, you're right. Actually, I'm wrong. Okay, fuck it. My theory is dead. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, like I just I don't like it. I don't like how they did it. There might have been whatever you could say whatever about it. I do not like how they did it. It's tons of movies that I've always watched the same way of portrayal, like this really fucking tough chick comes out and then all of a sudden one person can like outstrength her, even though she's been like crazy strong the whole time and you see them fighting and you see them trying and they the, don't even put any sort of fight. Like it's this really pathetic, like, Oh my God, don't judge me. Like the really weird thing when everything else is totally ignored. It's just, I see it in every fucking old movie. I see it in newer movies. I hate it. This is somewhat of a running theme in, in a lot of Jack Hill's early films. Yeah. It really is. The men overpower the women and rape them. That's, that was very commonplace in his movies. I just I don't like it. I don't like it. I, and I, I don't blame you. I, I, I was super uncomfortable watching it, too. And it, there, I don't think it needs to be in the movie. It doesn't move the plot along. It doesn't. There's no, there's no reason for it to be in the movie other than to show that the man is more dominant than the woman. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I can think of now is that after it happened, like that's when she said, fuck it, let's do this. Let's set my way to destroy his gang. And any woman worth her salt would have gone to Lace and said, your man raped me against my will. You need to do something about it. But I don't think that would have mattered. Like Robbie Lee as Lace is one of the weakest gang female gang leaders I've ever seen in any film. Right. She's got like, no spine, no backbone at all. In fact, she's quite opposite of Maggie. Well, she's she's very her her weakness is that she's desperately in need of being loved by people, right? And and fucking her her boyfriend there, Dom, he he's just using her. He doesn't even yeah, love she's her. She's just anything. the flavor of the week, man. Yeah, yeah. Early on when we see her, she she's very cool, she's very sexy, she has like this seems to have this dominating personality and everything early on and then it's you learn really quick no she's just like a 13 year old little girl deep down inside right very insecure yeah, yeah. she breaks down pretty easily when when things don't go her way yeah well it was all this obsession over a guy like had she had any sort of idea she'd know that this guy is a piece of shit who's just trying to manipulate everybody to be like 
on top and she's fallen into that trap and again like it's creating this whole idea of like women plotting women against each other which by the way i could appreciate at the end when the girls were like fuck you we're not following you mm-hmm. i just like i said i just that one scene just set me off it set me on the wrong <laughs> tone and another thing too like i wish i wish they did more when the female gang became strong by themselves yeah, i think yeah, like where's the sequel yeah, yeah like i think i would have taken an extra 10 minutes just to have some sort of like escape they escape from prison or they beat up the cops and they start their own thing like something that like establishes instead of them getting arrested and being like we're the jezebels and they all agree to be in the jezebels and they shun the other girl but even like it just i feel like it concluded so fast like it just, another another thing my point about lace i'm sorry for interrupting oh it's is- okay and her weakness as a as a, the leader of the uh, of the Switchblade sisters there is she tells the boyfriend that she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh yes. I don't know if it's a lie or not. It's, we just don't know. Well, um, I think it's implied she has a miscarriage after she gets kicked in the hockey rink, right? And the well, letter said, "I have a surprise for you," and I was like, "She's pregnant." Yeah. And she and she's claiming to be pregnant, and he basically says, "Fuck off! I'm going my own way. We are done." But yeah. The very next scene, yeah. without any context at all, they're together at the roller rink. We don't know what's going to unfold, especially if you haven't seen it for the first time. And they are madly in love. Like, absolutely nothing happened. That's just mm-hmm. bad script writing, in my opinion. It is. I hated yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, it is. I would have been fine, because I think what they should have done is Dom would have went with Maggie instead in spite or somebody else, like another one of the girls from the gang in spite, just to kind of show his, that controlling manipulative attitude and Lacey, it shows even more why Lacey got like a hit on their gang. Yeah. It, it, it makes more <clears throat> sense if Lace shows up with the rival gang and just does the hit. She doesn't need to like, sed- you know, seduce Dom and Dom at this point actually should be like, e- even if he's not taking Maggie out, cause Maggie, you know, hates them and shit. Like they don't necessarily have to be like roller skating together, but they, the plan is still, we're going to go there and fuck with that gang. And, but you know, lace fucking tips, uh, crabs off and does the ambush. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still funny. Like it's I a funny talk about crabs. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but, that was a roller rink massacre, dude. It, it like, was, but at the same time, not super bloody. Like, just very, no. like... No, but, like, killing just dozens of innocent ro- ro- rollers. Okay, it just looked like civilians were coming out with guns, too. Just saying. Yes. Like, how they make it look? Like, hey, yeah. we all got guns. Let's do this. I guess it's, like, in the States, so... It was well, it was <laughs> way over the top. Well, I... And, I, I in many ways, I enjoyed it for being such, but very unrealistic. Well, here's the thing. Like, so, I've heard and read over the years, you know, people comparing this to the Warriors, right? And of no, course, we, no. we, we, as we said, you know, in Spain, they call it Warriors too. Very much kind of the same universe in a way. Very um, comic book kind of stylized yeah. universe in a way. But it, it's kind of like the Warriors, but this is the worst part of town in the Warriors. Who, because who directed the Warriors? Was that Walter Hill? Walter Hill, yeah. And that's no relation to Jack Hill. No. Just a coincidental last name. It's just a coincidence, but... I mean, you know, the the Dagger Debs, they feel like the female gang and the Warriors that, like, try to seduce the Warriors members while they're on the run because they want to get the bounty or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very, very much the same Who thing. has the better 
costumier, costumier, the Warriors, Switch Flight Sisters. In my opinion, it's the Warriors. The costumes oh, yeah, no. in that movie were just tremendous. Well, I mean, the Warriors is much much more comic book. It's much bigger, but right? It is from a comic book. I believe it's from three hundred. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. The movie is based off that story, right? Three hundred. Really? Really? Well, think about it. Three hundred is the exact same plot as the Warriors. They're moving from one end of the city or the part of the world uh, that the 300 characters are in to the other part. It's the exact same plot. Mm, no, the 300 <coughs> the Spartans, though, like defending a spot against the Warriors the- and the, the Spartans in New York. Argue with me. It's the exact same movie. Yeah, but the Spartans aren't on the run, though. Like they, they're, they're standing their ground and defending a spot. So okay, I, I, the Warriors are doing the same thing, just on the run. I guess maybe. I I, I don't know if I'd, I'd agree the correlations there, but but it's definitely not. But I mean, that comic book came out the uh, the one that Three Hundred's based on that came out years later. Like that that was uh, that was a Frank Miller book from like I think the late eighties, early nineties, something like something like that. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. I think yeah. it's the same movie Still, with different okay. costumes. I and the guys, the guys in 300 were much in much better physical condition, obviously. Oh, oh definitely. <laughs> I want to just keep on the costumes for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we not laugh at the fact that some people change their outfits and other people just wore the exact same outfit the whole Throughout movie? The whole movie. Like, like it crap. never changed. The uh, the quote unquote fat chick in the gang was like, she ain't fat at she ain't fat at all. Donut ain't fat at all. Oh. Made me so angry. I hated that. Yeah, but she she doesn't change her clothes until the like the final scene. Then she has a That's different true. outfit. Yeah. And then Maggie has very similar clothes the whole time. Mm-hmm. That and same jean, jean, uh, jean skirt that she has on. Either jean skirt or really short shorts yeah. with the yeah. same color top. And then Lacey pretty much wears the same thing the whole time. Same Lacey boots like too. The female version of John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk? Uh, so a couple things. I want to talk about crabs. Like, mm-hmm. what yes. decade did this does this guy come from? Late sixties. Yes. No, sixties. Like that's what like I would he, say. He's, he he looks like a monkey. He does. He looks exactly looks like exactly like he could be in that that musical group. Um, why is he a Nazi? I don't. And why don't they play on that? I, I I don't even know if he's a Nazi. Like I I think, you know, as as much as the swastika has a certain connotation. I don't know if it had the same connotation in that time. I'm pretty sure it always has, regardless no, of the, no, the decade I, that you're in. No, it's still fucking racist, right? But like, yeah. in a, like in a cultural sense, there was plenty of musical groups and stuff like that that were using like that symbol in a different way. Like Motorhead definitely had like uh, Lemmy from Motorhead had that symbol. Like he collected Nazi memorabilia and shit like that. He wasn't a Nazi. But it was like there was something to that. But I, I don't know what they were trying to say with that, other than that he was a bad guy. Like he doesn't. Seem I, I like think that's it. I think that's yeah. it. That's like the quintessential. Like you're an asshole, per- terrible person. Yeah. Like, just yeah. put that symbol on them, and you're like, you're okay, you're the bad guy. I mean, yeah. maybe he's a white supremacist. I didn't see any black people in his gang, right? I wish. And- I wish they put more emphasis on. The battle between the gang versus the drama like there's a lot, lot of stuff drama. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could have probably been cut out of the first half of the movie and then extended other parts of the movie that would have been more interesting. Because I, I would have loved to see like, the both female gangs work together, like the white and the black gang of <laughs> females. Yeah, I would have yeah. loved to see something that like actually... Yeah, it comes very late in the picture, right? Like, Yeah, and it's even then, it's just... It's so... It's just like a, a teaser, like it's an Emma's Bush but, but, but for like Italian, right? Maggie dated her black brother. At least there's they tie that relationship up, unlike a lot of other things in the movie. Yeah, yeah. but it's just so. So while I was watching this, I was looking at each character, and I go, "That guy's got to be at least thirty years old." Oh yeah. Nobody so here. so I, I beat all the characters, and like the youngest one is. 22 and i think the oldest is like 29 at the time of film oh yeah they're playing high school students yeah they're all supposed to be teenagers and that and that's 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 another part of the thing right because so when you're watching this and you're you're looking at these people and you're like these these are all like late 20s early 30s for the most part people yeah so you you do have a bit of a suspension of disbelief you have to go through to like which it's normal for every movie we watch Yes. Yeah. That's that's normal in general. Like how many movies do we watch on TV shows do you watch? Ow. Hey, but but it, but it, Sorry. it also like, you know, as far as like a story uh thing goes thematically, uh it explains why a lot of these characters are so irrational and like, you know, they turn on a dime and shit like that cuz they're supposed to be teenagers doing stupid teenager shit for the most part, right? So you- I like how they have to say it. Like they, they mentioned it many times. They're like, you juveniles, you're juveniles. <laughs> All these teenagers were juveniles. Like it just it's mentioned quite often. The cops, and, the uh, cops in this are are just ridiculous. They, and I like just, how Yeah, they're just kind of like floating on the on the borders of the plot, like the, waiting the, for their chance to come in, you know. Yeah, yeah like how they said with the cops and they're they're I think they're having a conversation with Maggie or one of the other girls, and he's all the second someone gets hurt, that's when you're all going down. But wait a minute. There was just this massive roller rink massacre yeah. in your town. Does the it have they, to get worse before you take action? The way they played it up in the dialogue, it sounded like no one actually died except for uh, Dom. Like, yeah. he was the only one who died. Even though there was a ton of people laying on the ground and there were yeah. so many gunshots of, like, yeah, and a lot of squibs going off. Yeah, that yeah. I like it's a weak it's a weak point in the script because like they explicitly say so uh you know a bunch of people got beat up during the in that roller rink it's like no a bunch of people got shot like are they not dead and then later on when uh the girls finally take over and form the jezebels um they're all of a sudden uh patch is like oh great you just got rid of like half our gang and like you know the other half of our gang was like you just you got know, rid of the muscle that's what yeah, she said are in the hospital and shit and so so no one died other than dom in that encounter apparently like that's what we're led to believe <laughs> which is hilarious yeah and also so there's there's a couple things there's one at the end where he's like oh uh i got it for murder Perfect. We got her for actually so, for something not actually real. I'm like, okay, but if she's still in juvie, like she's that's, not going to get tried as an adult. That's the, like that's, sometimes they can do it, but then I don't think they did it nearly as often. I mean, that that, that is the point of the the end though, where she says, "We're the Jezebels, and once I get out, you better fucking run because we're gonna fuck you up and shit." Because she knows she's gonna get out in juvie. That that's kind of like the point of that, right? But that's it was just so final. funny how they made such a big deal. He's like, "Oh, we got her." 
Like what for what? For how long? Like I don't even understand. Like, um, like first off, you're a beat cop. What are you mm-hmm. even doing here? You're not yeah. a detective. You're not you're not assigned this case. You didn't catch anybody. You just happened on the situation. And secondly, yeah. I'm pretty sure anybody can get out of that juvenile a juve, yeah, juvenile center. Because yeah. there was just three guards taking okay, care of we it. We gotta talk about that scene. Three that scene is just three. glorious. Three coded as evil lesbian guards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The best part of that scene is the 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 fight at the end there, where there's oh, clearly the a man. Stunt man. Yeah. Oh, it it not only happens there; it happens in the final <laughs> knife fight too, right? But, yeah. But most right. mostly in the juvie detention, where it's like all of a sudden that's not that's not that lady. That's, yeah, like uh, that's, that's William Shatner stunt double. That's Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Uh, Robbie Robbie Lee's stunt double in the final fight is at least fifty pounds heavier than what she is, and mm. much longer, straighter hair as well. Yeah, it, it, got a better it's, wig. It's definitely yeah, it's it's definitely rough around the edges when it comes to that. But growing up watching Star Trek, the original series is like I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's not William Shatner in those fight scenes when they do the wide shot, and it's like okay. There was there was also the beginning scene. Where the uh, debt collector goes into the um, great scene, the um, the apartment, and then and then uh, Lacey hears it, and then all the girls start coming in. I'm like, was there a bat signal that was sent? Like, it's not like you could text everybody in the gang and be like, hey, we're meeting up. Like, literally, all of them were just like perfectly same time and sync. They're like, okay, yeah, this guy is going to be here at this time. You you didn't see that switchblade logo in the sky. Yeah, even the woman was like, "I didn't know you were coming. I made a payment, but they did. They all knew he was going to be there." Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe she tipped them off earlier on, right, that he was going to show up or whatever. But I mean, still, like, it's an effective scene in the sense that early on, it kind of foreshadows that this is going to be, you know, even though once we get past the unfortunate parts of this movie, it's going to be kind of a girl power movie where it's, like, hey. All of a sudden, you're a lone guy who's sharing an elevator of 15 females, all giving you a really nasty look. It's like Some badass females, right? Yeah, it's like okay, this is uh, this is actually scary. Like this is pretty fucking frightening. Uh, uh, going back to crabs and uh, Maggie, <laughs> Maggie goes to seduce him to get his mm. uh, uh, Nazi pendant. What do you think about her exit? knock down a cardboard wall <laughs> i was like how did she know that was a cardboard wall she just starts hitting the chair with it and then it's like you had a lot of faith in that wall being bullshit is, is and what amazes me is jack hill mostly shot on location because he never had money to build sets yet mm-hmm. they're in a set that's completely fabricated cheaply i might add so and, they must, so, so they, is the, the the bathroom in which the lesbians fight Right. The underage inmates. That's a set as well, and it's you can tell because it's it's shaking when they're hitting walls. Oh yeah, yeah. They found a spot. They found some good spot that they could like mock up to be an office, and it's like okay, we can put some partitions here and make a wall that we can break. And, yeah, you know, pretty pretty obvious, but I mean, still effective scene. It's still pretty good, it, and it's it's very action packed. Like. That's one thing about this movie. Like, there are a, there are a lot of scenes of like just like, hey, the interpersonal relations between the gangs. But I never felt this movie was slow. Like, I, I feel like it moves at a pretty 
I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah pretty speedy it, clip. It's nice there's to always, paint. Yeah, there's always something going on next scene. Like, if, if this scene is like, you know, Lace acting like a little girl and pining over her abusive boyfriend, I, next scene is like, oh, we're going to have a fight. You know? I get why they picked her because uh, of the whole like childish voice and mm -hmm. very young. But I found her very annoying by the end. And it's not just saying the, the weak, pathetic, anything like that. I just I, I couldn't get around it. Like, it just got I, annoying after a while. I found her annoying it. because of that. Yeah. And, and she uh, just couldn't step up. But I, I think but that makes it like like it makes it even worse. But yeah. for me, for me, that's what I like about her in this because it speaks to her character and it makes her the villain. It, because she's so weak is what makes her a bad person. Like she, her, she, she, you know, she falls into her weakness and uh, and also she's exploited by Patch because Patch is kind of the uh, the Iago to a fellow kind of in the in this right where she's yeah. constantly in her ear like oh she's she's fucking your boyfriend behind your back and she's turning all the gang against you and and all this like yeah she's, she's like constantly changing the information where she said that when he read the letter out loud mm -hmm. she was saying she read the letter out loud and again we never actually hear from maggie or dominic if they banged which by the way he raped her yeah. but that's never mentioned. So, like well, we no, mentioned no, earlier, uh, Ma Maggie does say, like at the end fight, she's she like, says that she never did anything. Nothing ever, well, never happened. Yeah, she's like, I was never, you know, I I didn't initiate anything with him. He didn't say initiate. She said nothing ever happened. I was never into him. Yeah, that's what she said, right? Yeah, like, she said nothing happened. So again, we don't need the scene of them like that since first scene. That's. It almost feels like a script problem, right? Where maybe they wrote the rape in later kind of thing. I think, honestly, she should have said, like, something about him being a piece of shit because of what he did. Mm. And how, like, you're fighting for some douchebag. There's, and, there's also, uh, like, Maggie should have and doesn't have any allegiance to Lace. Because it's mm. not like Lace saved her from a, a deadly situation. Whereas Maggie then would have this allegiance to Lace. But that's not the case here. Right. Yeah, M Maggie's and motivations. So, so Maggie really should have weird. never had an issue in saying your boyfriend raped me. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah, what no, kind Maggie of guy you're in love with. Yeah, we. we I thought really... it was going to be like that. Like I honestly I thought too. it was going to be something like they're going to build this thing, and she was going to be in denial of it because that's something that could have been, and then had that kind of psychotic of possibly even Lacey getting jealous of it because that is something that you hear of. Just anything would have built off from it. But no, it was an entirely pointless scene that we didn't need. And again, the second rape scene too was entirely pointless. I understand it's what triggered the, the gang to like go ahead, but all they had to do is the guy got shot from the gang and you could have had the same thing. Like you could have had the same reaction. You didn't need yeah. either of the rape scenes unless you're going to really build off of that story. Don't fucking bother. Yeah, no, that those were both. I, I'm I'm pretty convinced at this point that those were both just like, those are exploitation check marks that someone told yeah. Jack Hill you need these in your movie, so we can sell them in, in drive-ins. Like that was, yeah. that was it the was whole just, thing. It was that's one of the many hooks that Jack Hill used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just it upset me. Um, I couldn't, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I couldn't get into it. I just I didn't see the point of it. I, I just hate how they betrayed her. And again. With Lacey, I know she's supposed to be tough. I just really hate how they 
utilize somebody with a sweet, soft voice to make him seem so pathetic. Like, it just bugged me. It grinded my gears. It was just, I, I don't know. I would have rathered anybody else and made the tough girl the one with the sweet, cute voice. Like, it just, Ooh. right away, like, you take the person who's, like, the smallest and the one with the softer voice or the the more childlike voice childlike to be voice, yeah. to be that pathetic like obsessed um i'm gonna lie that he was talking about getting married after he died <laughs> i don't know i i i really like her character in this for how she, realistic she is as being pathetic like it's just i i, I get that part mm-hmm. i do i do i just don't like the voice it got really annoying at the end it just grinded me the right well, way got, I, just, I think you got it annoying because of her whining and her yeah. incessant uh reasoning for not stepping up to the plate and con- uh, plate and confronting maggie with right her situations and and the fact that patch was saying they're sleeping together you need to t- you need to either take care of her kick her out or talk to her about it but she doesn't do any of that because she's yeah, yeah she's pathetically just spineless and Patch's ending, I get like the thematic point. Like she, she, she got gets, off. She got lucky. She did. Like she gets ousted by the rest of the gang. But do you think Patch really cares all that much in the end of the day? Like, well, she did because she said, "Yes, I am. I've always been a part of this gang." So yeah. I think it was supposed to be something that for well, her, to, yeah, she's supposed to be proud of it, right? Yeah. So I think for her, she realized that she no longer because I think the whole deal was that Patch wanted to be. Uh, like she liked being a the leader? best friend of the leader. I don't think she wanted to be the leader, but I think she liked having more power than the rest of the girls because she was best friends with the leader. And it could have been possible that she was trying to manipulate the situation to be the leader. Maybe. But it, again, it's a storyline that wasn't developed enough in order for me to believe it. Like it's just do you, do you me hypothesizing, but that's it. Uh, yeah. And I'll throw this out to both of you. Do you think there's any like inklings, <clears throat> even though the script really doesn't develop it all that much that she was attracted to lace like she wanted a relationship with lace i didn't see that no yeah no i I I didn't didn't see that okay i didn't i didn't feel that connection in there there were no wandering looks or or long looks at lace or hugs or touches or anything like exactly she's just just, a shit disturber yeah Yeah. okay because i i put that out there because like it feels like the movie also tries to code her as like a hey an aggressive evil lesbian to some degree or whatever which is you know this movie is ought to do many times over yeah you know yeah. um but i wish so, maggie was a lesbian that would have been better <laughs> yeah oh, that would have been that have been a, a, a nice that would make more things. that see that would make more sense if like you know Maggie was a lesbian and Lace was bisexual, and then there was a relationship there. The betrayal would be much more, like it would make much more sense that she'd that Lace would be upset by the betrayal, supposedly, you know, kind of thing. Maybe, but but yeah, because like she, because she wants her. Yeah, but uh, you know, she she gets out she gets out easy. Like she doesn't get to come up, and she should probably get like she should get her other eye knocked out, and I think. I think, I think oh, here. I think it's more like she will get arrested as well, yeah. but she doesn't have gang protection anymore. That's right. Because yeah, you she... saw when the gang was together, they're all protected. Protected, but if this girl goes into jail now, she's no longer protected. She's, she's by alone. Herself. So when she gets I'm back, of, up I'm of opinion 
she wasn't hauled off to jail. That's how inept the cops are in this film. The cops are <laughs> They just said, no, we don't know who she is. She's not part of our gang. Yeah. But she's there. Someone was just murdered. So there has to be some connection, right? But I don't think, I, don't, I just don't think the cops care. But I think, um, so, you know, people look at, you know, Quentin Tarantino's a big fan of this film. And like he, you know, he, he brought it out on his Rolling Thunder DVD releases back in the yeah. day. And he actually re-put this in theaters for a while and did a pretty successful run with it. He, you know, he has Ellie Driver in the Kill Bill films with the with the eye patch, right? And yeah. most people, when most people talk about that character, they say, "Oh, it's it's uh, it's One Eye. It's the uh, Christina Lindbergh uh, film from back in the seventies." Like, no, it, it's it's this character in Switchblade Sisters that he's riffing off of, right? Because because Ellie Driver and Kill Bill is very much kind of the same character in a lot of ways because she's like she's in a relationship with bill and she's constantly plotting against uh fucking uh beatrix um like you know hey bill she's a piece of shit you know like let's let's kill her let, let's get rid of her you should have just killed her and not let her you know be in a coma in that hospital and all that other shit very much kind of the same like it feels like patch grown up in her into her 40s or something like that in in uh, kill bill it's um i actually like i really like patch in this because she became that girl that you hated because uh -huh. she was like fuck you bitch you're awful and i think that was the whole point like i think she played that very well um that's just lacy lacy just got annoying it wasn't like apathetic it wasn't anything it was just annoying by the end that's all it was yeah no fair enough um do we have any other sort of final thoughts on this that anyone wants to? I think there was a very interesting idea, and I don't think it was executed well. I think parts of it worked, parts of it didn't. But unfortunately for me, there was too many parts that set me off right from the get-go. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I said it at the get-go. Like A lot of Jack Hill's movies are questionable in terms of production value and direction this is one of them um this has obviously got flaws in the script and in the performances and in the direction as well <laughs> that, said, that said it's still a movie i not frequently go back to but i do go back to uh, it's just despite the rape scene which is hard for me to watch every time i watch it mm -hmm. um both of them are hard to watch they are it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I like. There's a lot of stuff I like about this. Um, I like the stylized dialogue in it. I like the throwback to like pulpy, almost campy 1950s kind of like teen rebel film dialogue that this this kind of updates a little bit. That's like, a very is, good, that's a very good point, Lee. Yeah, it's very it's very 1950s like you know high school Hellcats kind of thing. It's just, hey, we can show titties and have like actual violence in our films. That that's the only difference, right? Like that's very much what Jack yeah, is doing and, here. Yeah, and I don't really think they leaned on that part of it too much. The nudity. In fact, no, if if you look at Jack Hill's seventies movies, this one has a lot less nudity in it than I hope movies. so because it's supposed to be high school girls. Like it's just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know they're all in the twenties, but not, like it, to that degree, it's not that exploitative. Yeah, no, like, the only sexualized things is sexualized violence, really, more than anything else, other than, like, exactly. one brief one brief scene where the one girl where 
the running her as a prostitute in the high school where it's like, hey, nerd, get into this fucking bathroom, pass 10 bucks, and you'll you'll get fucked by this chick, and she flashes her boobs. It was $5. Yeah. Oh, was it $5? Jesus, I would have yeah. paid 10 bucks. Um, <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like there's a there's a there's a kind of dialogue and there's a like a there's a there's a rhythm to the dialogue in this film that reminds me of like what John Waters would do later on in his subject matter for some of his early films and like also Russ Meyer like there's there's a very I th- I think it matches to those films very well in that in that regard and you know I think as like a pure exploitation film it score it scores high marks in 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 that way. Like it's not a perfect film by any degree. I I I think we've all sort of agreed on sort of the faults of it. But I do generally enjoy this film quite a bit. It, it does check all the exploitation boxes. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right about the the nudity in the movie. It's not done for to exploit the women. It's all about the violence. A woman getting her shirt ripped off because she's in a fight, right? Or she's getting raped. Um, it's not exploitative that way. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, we could watch cheerleader movies all day and see oh, tons yeah. of nudity just for that reason. But you know, that's I mean, not yeah, the direction that Jack Hill went here. Yeah, if, if you want to find Jack Hill films that are purely just about, like, hey, fun boobies, he did a couple of those, too. Did, the very that. early stuff, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but this is more like tail end of his women in prison stuff, right? Because he's like the the juvie <sighs> detention thing is technically a many women in prison film. He just kind of sticks in there, right? Yeah, no, he absolutely does. I mean, I wouldn't classify this as a women in prison movie, but no. you're, you're very good point. It's like that's how the film starts. Yeah, because he had just done a string of those, right? And then yeah, it rolls yeah. into this, mm. like you said, like leftovers. 50s sort of gang life for men and women yeah uh budget for this was three hundred and twenty thousand dollars uh initially flopped on release yeah so it was originally released as the jezebels and it wasn't doing well so they retitled it as switchblade sisters and apparently it did worse as switchblade sisters really? when they retitled it yeah interesting it was a box office bomb. I think it eventually got its money back in like rentals and and stuff like that. But it it was like one of Jack Hill's first major like kind of flops, really. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of in in a way, not a not a necessarily a big surprise that he kind of quietly retired by like the end of the decade. After this, he did a few more things really, and it's kind of hey, I got my money. I'm 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 done. Because like, hey, like he, making a movie is a lot of work, so mm-hmm. if you can accomplish that and get it done and released. Wow, that's just like, an incredible feat. I like the name Jezebels, by the way. It's, I did too, actually. Yeah, that's a better name, but you know, um, I think Quentin it's not Tarantino, as No, Quentin Tarantino made a point that like, you know, people see that in 1970s, and it's like, what is this? Is this another like, like, is this like some romantic drama? like period drama or something like you know jezebel the movie yeah, you watched that was yeah, terrible exactly like they think <laughs> betty davis you know kind of thing right you can find this everywhere blu-ray dvd releases of plenty itunes amazon prime voodoo uh or, or you can get on free on youtube in several places or rent it on youtube if you want to but I rented, quality on YouTube. I rented it on amazon for like dollar 99 yeah there you go i mean i mean there 
There's a YouTube, like you rent it on YouTube for 1080p, or you can just watch it for 1080p on YouTube for free because hey, someone Lee, uploaded it. I have the DVD. I got a couple DVDs of this movie. That's how lazy I was. I didn't want to go find it. So I just I do, the, I do the same thing, dude. I do the same yeah. fucking thing. Sometimes I got, it's like. I got three dozen bins in my garage filled with old movies. Yeah. It, uh, also, um, if you want to download it and own it, you can get it on Rare Lust as well. So, um, really good way to do that. One little trivia thing here. Uh, Writer-director Jack Hill, when interviewed in 1996, re-release of the film, pointed out that he did have some authenticity here. He interviewed girl gang members and rewrote the script. But the idea of doing a realistic movie about street gangs with beautiful blondes and hot pants was preposterous, so we tried to make it <laughs> a wacky fantasy. So, like, you know, keep that in mind. As I was saying, like, the connect, like people make connections to this, to this with the Warriors in the sense that, like, it's very heightened. It's not meant to be taken as super realistic in a lot of ways. So, I don't think there are a lot of old gang movies that are meant to be very realistic. No, and, and they're I mean, all they have. They have tried, but I don't think they've succeeded very well. And even the Warriors, no, just you know, it's it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I just adore that film. Uh, is it very realistic to the gang life in the late seventies? I don't, I don't think so. No, it's a comic book. Like it's it's very not realistic at all. But it, it it's a great movie nonetheless. Um, so. Mr. Mike Murphy, it was an absolute fucking pleasure to have you on here, sir. Uh, six years, far too long, but you know, <laughs> hopefully, ne hopefully next time it's not another fucking six years. It it won't be, I promise. And ho hopefully, you can join us on uh, an episode of movies in thirty minutes in the future. I would love to. Definitely I don't know if we to. can squeeze in a movie in thirty minutes with any more than two people. I'll have to work on that. <laughs> well, well, well. You know, as you said, uh, some so if we have guests, it's going to be maybe sixty minutes. It might might be the sixty minute edition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have podcasts. Please plug them right now. Uh, so I really only have one. Uh, Lee was kind enough to play the trailer, and it's called Movies in Thirty Minutes. It's where me and my co-host Iris. We've been podcasting for going on twelve years together now. Mm -hmm. uh, we pick any movie. Doesn't matter what genre it is or what year it's from and we we don't pick it apart but we talk about it within a 30 minute time time period so um that's what we do it's on all all podcast apps and streaming services um and even youtube lee were you aware that, that google is phasing out their podcast um are they um branch of their empire yeah and they're forcing everybody to put all their podcasts on youtube so Oh shit! Do we have to go back to YouTube? <laughs> well, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything, but it <laughs> it, it is an option. Anyway, the, the, go ahead. For the long, for the longest time, I was putting this on YouTube, and then I decided. To I stop. remember that back yeah. in the old days. Well, there's a few so, reasons. <laughs> there's lots of reasons. I mean, YouTube they seem to um, flag just about anything you put up. I mean, you can't oh, yeah. use any music without getting in some sort of trouble nowadays. Oh no! This this podcast has flown under the radar for so long. Like, it's I, no one's no one's watching your stuff on YouTube, Lee. That's why. Yeah, thankfully. Except for people looking for the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though it says this is not the movie, yeah, right at the beginning and in the title, but still no. angry comments of this was so, not the movie. 
So it's movie in 30 minutes and we can be found everywhere. So cool. Well, we'll thank link you for that playing down. that promo earlier too. Oh, and no, thanks for having me on you guys. It was nice meeting you lady Lee. Absolutely. It was nice meeting you. Yeah. It was an absolute pleasure, Mike. Um, so lady Lee, uh, <laughs> Do you have any socials you want to share at this point? <laughs> You're funny. No, I have no time. I have nothing. I have nothing. You can find me on Lee's Facebook. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I get to pick the movie now. Yes, you do. So, yeah. So um, going through the cast, uh, Janice Carmen was in Freebie and the Bean from 1974. So that is going to be the next pick. Which Freebie is talk about Freebie and the Bean? Yeah, buddy cop movie. Yep, that's a surprise. Yeah, Freebie oh, and I, the Bean. I think that let's I th- do it. I think that I think that's upper alley. This, this podcast just picks weird shit all the time, so uh, that's what makes it great and different. <laughs> it's, it's oh. so random. <laughs> yeah. Don't go, don't go mainstream like everyone else does. <laughs> We're tr- we've been trying not to. It's been working for us for uh, ten years now, almost, and uh, you know it, it's gone. It's garnered us a uh, dedicated audience of uh, sixty to a hundred people every episode. So uh, you know we're doing something right. That's good. Good for you yeah. guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we're we're gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you, Lady Lee. Thank you, Mike. Again. Yes. Uh, thank abs- you. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and thank you all for listening. And until next time, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye.
You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.